You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. You can be seated. We just started a new series uh, last Sunday morning called The War of Prayer. And if you think all there is, is all, all that you can see with your physical eye, you think that's all there is, then this will probably be a confusing morning for you, maybe a confusing coming weeks as well. But if you think there's more than what you see with your physical eye, I pray that today and these coming weeks will be clarifying for you. If you think all there is is all that you see with your physical eye, I would guess that you're probably losing a lot of battles. But if you believe that there is more than what you can physically see, then you're already equipped to win more battles. We need to know that it's not just us and God. Scripture is very clear. There's another variable that we have to factor in all the time into the Christian life. And that's an enemy. A real and personal enemy that exists and whose purpose is to defeat you. Really even going beyond defeat to destroy you. An enemy who exists with schemes to take you out spiritually. And if you overlook that or neglect that, or probably some here today disbelieve that, that you are in an invisible army fighting back against an army you can't see, if you do not believe there's a war going on in this room right now, an invisible battle over your heart and over your mind right now, then you have already set yourself up for defeat. If you disbelieve there is an enemy, if you disbelieve there is a battle going on in the invisible realm, in fact, you'll probably find yourself saying a whole lot to yourself, why do I keep losing battles? If you neglect and just try to move beyond there being an enemy and a battle in this room and a battle over your heart and your mind right now. Now, we need to be careful. We said this last week. Be careful not to make too much of the enemy nor too little of him. We don't need to give him too much credit. We don't need to give him too much power, too much authority over our lives. Satan is already a defeated foe. A death blow was given to him at the cross, and a final death blow will be given to him in the future. So Satan is not the opposite and equal to God. But I think here in the West, it's a safe bet that our problem is not making too much of him. We forget we're in a battle we forget we even have an enemy. We become so sophisticated in our intelligence that somewhere down the line, we've tried to move away from the fact that there is a personal devil. We think we're enlightened or we have progressed so much beyond those things. We, we live in a day now, whether it be through explanation or through a resistance to the things that are supernatural. We don't even believe in an enemy anymore. In fact, what we've done is we've turned him into a fictitious cartoon character or a Halloween costume or some mythical part of, of a narrative. We don't do so well in our culture today using the word 
evil. Don't believe me? Listen to the newscasters. When something horrific happens in our nation, something tragic happens in, in our nation, our spokesmen for the media have a hard time even saying that word evil. In the movie The Red Dragon, I'm not recommending it, Hannibal Lecter speaks to the FBI profiler, Will Graham, and he says to the FBI profiler, you don't really want to believe in evil, do you? And I think that's probably in our culture today. We, we just don't like to believe that there's something evil working against us or something evil working against humanity or something evil that's battling against believers. We don't like to believe, even in the church, that there is something out there evil. So why do I believe in spiritual battles? Why do I believe there really is a personal enemy of the believer? Well, first of all, because Jesus said so. In all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus speaks of a battle. Jesus speaks of an enemy. Jesus speaks of a real personal devil, Satan. So does every other New Testament author, by the way. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, James, Peter, even the short letter of Jude mentions a very real enemy that believers face. Each of them talk about Satan, our enemy. The other reason I believe that there is personalized evil, that there is a real enemy, there is no other explicable reason in my mind for the systematic evil and darkness that we see all throughout human history. I don't think the mind behind the extermination of six million Jews was uncontrolled. Or that the hand behind a shooter in a Uvalde elementary school was uncontrolled. I don't think the death of 63 million preborn lives in the U.S. since 1972 is uncontrolled by darkness. Or the oppression of the marginalized or the refugee or the orphaned is uncontrolled by evil. It's enough what Durham thinks. Let's, let's see what God says to us today. Would you in your copy of God's word, and I hope you have one with you, go to Ephesians chapter six. In the New Testament, if you were here last Sunday, this is where we started. We're gonna kind of reread a little bit of what we read last week. The book of Ephesians in, in the New Testament is 10 books in. It's right around those letters from Paul, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I learned it as a kid as General Electric Power Company, so you're looking for electric. That's where you're headed to, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's just reread what we read last week in verse 10. Maybe you weren't here. Maybe you've forgotten. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So Paul has been writing about all these great things, great theology, great doctrine, about, about the household, how we can walk in Christian ethics, how we walk in love, how we walk in obedience, how we walk in light. Then he comes to this word in verse 10 because he's wrapping up this letter. He says, finally which doesn't just mean I'm about to wrap this up. It means like ultimately. Finally, you need to understand this. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We saw that last week. There's a few things I want to make sure we understand together. First of all, we are strong 
in the Lord, verse 10. We are strong in the strength of his might. This is so key, highly, because this is the only place where we are strong. In the Lord, in the strength of his might. This is the only place for believers where there is absolute certain victory when we're strong in the Lord. We're strong in the power of his might, the strength of his might. You've probably watched enough football games or basketball games to know that the team that's supposed to win doesn't always win. You could probably talk to the Alabama team yesterday to, to, to see that. The, the team that's predicted to win, maybe even has the higher ranking, doesn't always win. Every now and then, our, our, our brackets are busted in March because we have chosen a team that certainly is going to win. And next thing we know, the Cinderella team steps up and, and, and beats the, the, the champion, beats, beats the one that should have won the entire tournament. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a theme for this or a phrase for this. I heard that, amen. There's a theme for this in, in football. Any given Sunday, like you just don't know exactly. You're not real certain, 100% certain of, of the outcome, but that's not the case of Jesus and our enemy. Christ has already won the victory at the cross. The enemy is already defeated and there will be a destiny for his eternal doom coming up. This is why we have to stand, listen, Highland, in him in Christ, in his strength, because there's no uncertain outcome when it comes to God's win over the enemy. All right, let's get to some new territory, and it gets a little bit more specific, and warning label, it gets a little bit more intense. Ephesians chapter 6, let's pick up a new verse, verse 12 and verse 13. For we, believers, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Verse 12. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And the understood phrase here is, but we do wrestle against Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces. The, the word wrestling here is a fascinating word for me on a lot of levels. Paul could have chosen to use the word we battle or we fight or we go to war. All three of those words in Greek are found all throughout the New Testament. But instead he uses the word wrestle. It's the only time in the entire New Testament that this word is used. It's the word pale. Nowhere else is it used except right here that we, we in Greek, we pale against things we can't even see. We, we wrestle against things we don't even see. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of y'all have, have a brother? Just lift your hand if you have, have a brother. Okay, good. Then you've wrestled before, right? If you have a brother, you've wrestled. Probably you didn't want to wrestle, but if you had a brother, you've wrestled at some point in, in, in your past before. Wrestling is, is exhausting. Wrestling, though, is different than battle. It's different than fighting. It's different than, than war. Because wrestling wears you out. Wrestling is exhausting. This is why MMA fighting only has five-minute rounds. You can be the, most, the best conditioned athlete on the planet and this all you can handle is just five minutes of, of wrestling. We are wrestling. This is the language here in verse 12. We, we are wrestling. What's the difference between wrestling and fighting? Wrestling and battling. Wrestling and war. Here it is. Wrestling requires close proximity. You can't wrestle from afar. 
The, the, the wrestling that we see here is when they've got their hands on you and you've got your hands on them. And, and, and in every way, it's a close-quartered battle. If you've been there spiritually before, I imagine many of you in this room have been in the spiritual wrestling matches before. It is spiritually exhausting. I personally think most Christians know they're in a battle, but since they don't like wrestling, they just pretend like they're not in a battle. Or they surrender so many times, or to keep with the analogy, they tap out so many times because they're so tired of, of wrestling. There's not much wrestling going on at all. They've surrendered so many times. And if there's not much wrestling going on, it means there's not much victory going on either. I mean, saying no to sexual sin is exhausting. Saying no to self-centeredness is exhausting. Fighting for, for a healthy marriage, a godly marriage, is exhausting. Fighting in prayer with tears for your kids is exhausting. Trusting Jesus in difficult days is exhausting. Pushing back the darkness is exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. It's because you're wrestling, the Spirit of the Lord told Paul to write to us. We're in this close-quartered wrestling match with things we cannot even see. Let's see what's happening here in this passage, and I'll give you three practical things for us to wrap up today. Let's first of all see what's happening. Look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is God's way of saying we're not wrestling against humans. Now, Paul wrestled, certainly, if you will, or struggled with real people, with, with humans, flesh and blood. He writes about it probably in every one of his letters. He calls out false teachers he calls out people who are having disagreements in the church. So he, he talks about real people. And, and he calls out the false gospel, those who are carrying in the false gospel. And so Paul writes against or speaks about or talks about flesh and blood. Jesus was betrayed by a flesh and blood person, Judas. The Pharisees, flesh and blood men, they pushed back on on Jesus and his teachings and his, and his claims. But ultimately, which is why we have that word finally in verse 10, ultimately, if you can get behind all of that, all of the false teachers, all the false gospels, all the divisions in the church, all behind Judas, all behind the Pharisees, we see that that's not what we're wrestling against. When you read what we are wrestling against, you see why the battle feels so intense. What are we wrestling against? That's a good question for today. We are wrestling against, we see these four things in verse 12. We're wrestling against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We are wrestling things that are more, Paul says, the Spirit of the Lord tells us, that are more than flesh and blood. So what are we wrestling against? Note takers, you can write this down. I've combined the first two into one. One, we're wrestling against rulers and authorities. I combine those two things together. This may be eye-opening for a lot of people in this room. There are leaders over evil things. There are spiritual leaders over sinister things. When I say spiritual, I mean unseen leaders. There's a hierarchy of, of leadership. These are called leaders. There's a hierarchy of the, of the forces, leaders or, or authorities. So in this room, we're not just fighting against or wrestling against the effects of sin, the effects of evil. Scripture tells us here we're actually wrestling against the leadership of evil. And I think that's important because I think probably a lot of us in this room, we think we're just wrestling every day with, with, the, with the symptoms of evil 
The scripture tells us here we're actually wrestling against invisible spiritual leaders of wickedness. What are we wrestling against? Cosmic powers over darkness is the second phrase that the Spirit instructed Paul to write. Cosmic powers over darkness. It just sounds like a fantastical movie coming out this weekend. That there are dark things in our world. And I think all of us in this room, whether you're already lost in this sermon and disbelieving everything that Scripture is saying, I think we can all agree with this. Even if you have a low view of Scripture, I think you can agree with this. There are horrible, dark things in our world today. Human trafficking. Hatred. Racism. School shootings. Slavery. Still in our world today. Senseless violence. We saw it in Memphis on January the 7th. Senseless things. There's, there's this darkness all around us. Now we have scriptural insight that says there's actually a power over those dark things. Cosmic powers over darkness. And we, Christians, we are wrestling against that cosmic power. Third thing that Paul describes to us here, the wrestling match is with evil spiritual forces. And all four of these things really are closely related. They're, they're, they're all interconnected. Here, we're, we're reminded that behind all evil is an evil force, again, that is spiritual in nature. When I say spiritual, I mean unseen in its nature. Now, the effects are seen. We see those all the time. But the planner of the evil is unseen, is, is spiritual in nature, and we are wrestling with all of those forces. That's a lot to place on a group of people on a Sunday morning. And let me just put all my cards on the table. I don't know how this works. You may wish after today you had a more spiritually mature pastor leading you through this. I don't know how all this works. I don't know if, if those powers have like assigned areas. And I, I'll, we'll take this continent, you take that continent, we'll take this state, you take this city. I don't know how they, I don't know if they have names. When Jesus called one of them out and asked him his name, he gave Jesus a number. Legion, for we are many. I don't know if I understand the, the ranking system. I don't know what it looks like to be general or, or head of. I don't know what it looks like to be a foot soldier within evil forces or cosmic powers over, over darkness. But what we do know from this passage, here's what I can tell you for certain from this passage. I know this to be true. These are real things. And we're in a conflict with them, at war with them, standing against them. We're wrestling against them. We're wrestling with them. And when you think about the heaviness and the intensity of this passage right here, pushing back against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over darkness, evil spiritual forces, it believes me, it believes me once again to believe this statement above every other statement that you may want to believe with me. We can't fight this on our own. Heaven forbid that we try to fight these forces in our own strength, our own personality, our own human weapons. If we're in hand-to-hand -hand with those four things alone, we lose every time. In our own strength, how do you wrestle evil forces and cosmic powers and come out on top? You can't in your own power, which leads to this sub-thought. We will need Christ's strength, and we will need Christ's people for us to win in the wrestle. I'll point you back to verse 10. We are strong in the Lord. We are strong in the power of his might, in the strength of his might. 
And so if we're going to wrestle against these things, again, we cannot fight this on our own. Against cosmic power, evil spiritual forces, we cannot fight this on our own. We're going to need to stand in the strength of Jesus, which means, by the way, we're going to need to know him and talk to him and listen to him and press on to know him. But also you're going to need the people around you who love Jesus. You're going to need the people of Christ around you and with you for us to win in this wrestle. So we need to stand in the strength of Christ's might, verse 10. We also need to stand together, church. One of my favorite new memes on, on social media is this one. If I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church was, was a photo. Like how, how real is that? So th this is what happens. Not only do we need the strength of Jesus, we need the strength of Christ in one another as well. Like students, you, you need the student ministry. College students, you need the college ministry. You need the CGs. You need people around you to, to, to support you, to, to cheer you on. Adults, we need CGs. We need our ABFs. We need people who will pray for us. We need people who will encourage us. We need people who will push us along. We need people who will spur us on toward greater works. We need people who will come alongside of us and will say, I am praying for you today. What do you need from me today? How can I pray the strength of Christ today? We will need Jesus and we will need each other. It's one of my favorite things about gathering here on, on Sunday mornings. When you come streaming into this room, it is such a reminder to my heart that I'm not wrestling alone. Then when we stand and sing, I know I say this all the time, Waco has to think we're the weirdest people in the world. Like we come and sing together. We haven't even practiced. We just come in here and sing. Some of you don't even sing the right notes. We just, we just sing. We're, just, we're singing together. Why do we sing together? We're reminding ourselves in song that Jesus Christ has already won. And there's days I have a hard time singing that myself, so I need other people to be singing it around me and over me and even to me. It's one of the joys of coming together as the people of Christ. We need the strength of Jesus. We need Christ's people around us to win in the wrestle. Let me give you three then as I wrap up today. Three practical plans for the war. you're planning on winning this week, here it is. You should expect opposition. The Christian life is a struggle. And it's a struggle not just against our own flesh and not just a struggle sometimes with other people or a struggle against the culture. It is a struggle here against something we can't even see. Christian, you're a part of something massive. You're a part of this huge story, this grand story. Of, of, of good versus evil, light versus darkness. And when you believe upon Christ, you're called into that story and you're not role-playing. It is a real thing that you and I have entered into this battle. Therefore, you should expect opposition. Don't be surprised this week. I would even say don't be surprised this afternoon if you're caught up in this intense spiritual opposition. Because you've heard today that there is an enemy. You've heard today that there's methods against you. You've heard today that there's, there's forces, spiritual forces, cosmic powers over darkness. You should expect today opposition from the enemy. In fact, if you're going to love Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you're going to love Jesus and be all in, expect the opposition. If you're going to love Jesus with everything you have, if you're going to be all in, you can expect all hell to be against you this week even this afternoon. Secondly, practical plans for the war. Don't underestimate your opponent's strength. He's crafty. 
As I said earlier, he's already defeated, but he's crafty. There's a powerful being in the universe who does not want you to make it to the finish line, who does not want your marriage to survive, that does not want your kids to love Christ. That there's an enemy, a very real enemy. He does not want you to grow in humility. He does not want you to be, to be patient with your children. He does not want you to look like Jesus. He does not want you to, to make your life count. He has, again, verse 10, schemes, these the methodia in Greek, these methodologies against you. And there's going to be days that you feel like giving up and giving in and just surrendering to the temptation. So don't underestimate the enemy's strength. And more than that, don't underestimate his very detailed plans for you. Jesus told us what they were. The thief, he says, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the enemy's specific will for your life this week. To steal, to kill, to destroy. Thirdly, lastly, practical plans for the war. Fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. What weapons do you have? We saw these last week. We'll exercise them again today. Prayer and and God's word. We'll look at more specific weapons that we have next Sunday morning. So there's your teaser to come back next Sunday. And if you're fighting spiritual battles with your personality, or you're fighting spiritual battles with your own strength, or you're fighting physical, these spiritual battles with physical weapons, then you're going you're gonna to lose every time. In fact, I'll go ahead and say it. You are losing. If you're counting on knowledge and counting on personality and counting on your creativity... If you're going to fight spiritual battles, you have to use spiritual weapons. And if you're in a spiritual battle and God says that you are, don't fight with any weapon outside of God's word. You fight with spiritual weapons. Would you stand with me, please? Would you mind? I'd like to call us again as as a community of believers to, to pray to battle in prayer, to fight in prayer. So we're going to sing a couple more songs, songs of victory, songs that remind us who Christ is, songs of truth, songs of scripture, songs that call us to pray. And again, the the altar here at the front is, is wide open for you to come and just kneel. When I say come and kneel, I mean come and battle. Come and battle for your marriage. Come and battle for your kids. Come and battle for, for your friends in prayer. Come and battle for our city. This Tuesday, 350 pastors and ministers from our city are meeting with our mayor to hear how the church can be a part of pushing back darkness in our city. I mean, come and pray for, for Waco. Come and pray for the leadership in our city. Come and pray for spiritual leaders in our city. Come and pray for your own heart. Come battle for your freedom. Come battle for your purity. Prayer is battle. Prayer is war. If you want someone to pray with you, we'll have some leaders here at the front. Some of our staff, their spouses will be here. You can come and tell them, here's my battle. They would love to battle with you in prayer. We have elders that are ready to pray over you on the far right, far left. If you're here today with a sickness, an upcoming surgery, maybe struggling with mental health, they'd love to pray over you. 
to anoint you with oil, as it says in James chapter five, and believe that God will raise you up and will heal you. If there's nothing for you to battle about today, or there's no prayer concerns in your life, as this first song plays, as we sing this first song, you're gonna see some ways you can battle for others in the church family. As they've sent in their request or sent in their celebrations, you can battle in celebration as well. We said this last week, we do not want to be a stoic, standstill church. We wanna move and pray and battle and war and kneel and come before God who hears us when we pray. The invitation is to come and do battle.